my son had a gift with technology. With reliable internet at home through the Internet Essentials Program, the world opened up. He's part of this next generation of young people who feel they can thrive. Through Project UP, Comcast is committing $1 billion to help open doors for the next generation with the connectivity and skills they need to build a future of unlimited possibilities. This episode is brought to you by Allstate. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings vary and are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. I mean, what's that football focus doing? Last week they had Brady. This week they got We're doing it. We're literally doing it differently from everybody else. Hey, as a matter of fact, moving forward from this point on, I will not make reference to PML. Ready to get into it? Yeah, yeah. All right. We're going team by team. I would be very careful about slinging stuff. Am I going to get sued? Are we going legal on this? Yeah, I like football, like football season, all the things that go with it. Welcome in to the PFF NFL podcast, Steve Palazzolo, Sam Monson. No Brad Spielberger today. It's just you and I, Sam. Back together again. Yeah. Just solo, except not solo, duo. Just a duo. Yeah. Just us, running duo, not inside zone. Nobody gets that joke, but I made it anyway. All right, we're here, we're live, and uh, free agency's dying down a little bit. So it's time to review. Yeah, the frenzy, the feeding frenzy is done, sort of. And yes. now we're, uh, we're going to start reviewing, and then next week, We'll be eyes locked on the draft. Back to the draft. Let's do it. Um, so we're gonna do. We're gonna spend the next two shows reviewing every team because people love when we do that. We talk about every team. We're gonna give our favorite and least favorite signings across the AFC today and or NFC moves. tomorrow. Let's, or let's, moves. You know, moves generally. Not everything's a signing, right? And just, some teams really haven't made signings. So maybe it's addition by subtraction. Let's not restrict ourselves to just that. For some teams, we might have to get creative and say it's the move you didn't make. That was our it's favorite. Friends you made along the way. Yes. So uh, let's get into it. You ready? Mm-hmm. You have a hard out because you've got Kay Adams' show coming up. Yeah. Is that right? Uh-huh. We got, well, you know, hard. Like, we got an hour and a half. It's, it's good. We got time. We'll get through the East. Yeah. Perfect. All right. Let's start in the AFC East because that's what we do. We always work East to West. Buffalo Bills. What are our favorite moves we've seen from the Bills? Yesterday, we raved about one of them. I'm assuming the wide receiver Deontay Hardy signing is uh, one of your favorites, at least. Yeah, that's probably the favorite move they've made, right? I mean, the alternatives are not great. <laughs> well, jo Jordan Poyer getting re-signed yeah. at safety. That would be the only real alternative, I guess. They they kind of restructured Matt Milano rather than a true re-signing, right? Um, so, yeah, they've been relatively quiet. It's how much you like a punter. Because that's kind of the alternative move. Yeah, look, Deontay Hardy was a, a kind of controversial one. There's a lot of Bills fans that hate that move because they look at his numbers and they're like, the guy had two catches last year. He's got hardly any production over his entire NFL career. Therefore, it's a bad move. You know, we're looking for that superstar number two to go opposite Stephon Diggs and really propel this offense in a different direction. Whereas I think the Bills are looking at that as this is a talented playmaker 
who has shown he can make incredible plays in a variety of different ways as a deep threat, as a gadget guy with the ball in his hands, like all these different ways of winning. Um, and we just want a guy like that in the offense. And it doesn't mean he has to be the number two. We just put him in the offense. He makes us better. And then we figure out how the whole jigsaw piece or jigsaw puzzle fits together at the end of it all. Yeah, there were there were people complaining about this. And look, I, I look at it two years, $9.5 million. Like, that's not a ton. It's really not. No. And But it is probably more than you than people thought he would get. And sure. The other the the other sort of real concern is, you know, he he did miss, miss basically all of last year with like a turf toe injury, which is not the kind of thing that that's the sort of injury that you worry about a little bit for a dude that's built off quick twitch speed and you know instant movement and that kind of thing. So that's fair. I mean, I get it. He's, he's a little banged up, but I, I see him as a wide receiver for deep threat, outside vertical threat. I want all of that. Oh, by the way, if, so if we're doing this, you know, the, the moves you didn't make or that kind of thing, I, would, I, I think you can make a good argument that the best move they made was letting Tremaine Edmonds walk rather than give him the kind of money that, say, Chicago gave him. Like, Buffalo could potentially have done that. It would have been a juggle, but they could have tried to keep him around, giving him that kind of money, and I think they've correctly identified that that would not be worth it given where they're going to have to spend money elsewhere in the roster yeah so they still have replacements to be you know they have to figure out a replacement they have Matt Milano there making a ton of money he's over 14 million per year um with with Josh Allen when you have all these teams that have the Josh Allen deal the Patrick Mahomes deal the question I always have is where do you want who do you want to be making your 15 to 25 million dollars a year which guys how, which type which positions which guys do you want it would be really tough I think for the Bills to justify two linebackers at that type of price tag during the the Josh Allen big contract years. So I'm fine with that. I'm good with that as well. Um, now the question is, okay, they do need replacements there. Mm-hmm. They, do, they, they do need help at linebacker. I think there could still be more work to be done at receiver to go with Hardy. That doesn't mean that they're done. So there's more work to do. Anything you don't like about the Bills? Um, to me, the most questionable one to me is Connor McGovern. Three years, twenty-three million. It's not egregious. It's not horrible. He's he's pretty good. He's a good pass protector. He's been up and down in the run game. They needed to make a move there. It is that creep back toward average type of move, which overall I like. But maybe it's maybe it's a little rich for McGovern. It does fit the kind of mold of the sort of moves they've made on the offensive line um, generally. Which is I'm only saying this because we have to pick some. We we said move we like and move we don't like. Yeah. So what, I mean, I don't know what else. There yeah, is I mean, to, there isn't. Not like. <laughs> There's not a ton to choose from. Three years, seven and a half million for a punter. I mean, all right, eh, whatever. I I don't know. There isn't an awful lot there to quibble with. To be honest, they haven't done enough of significance to really hate anything. All right, good job, Bills. We're happy with you. Let's go to the Miami Dolphins. Staying in the AFC East, what do we like and not like about the Miami Dolphins? What they've done so far? Um, I think. It has to be the Jalen Ramsey deal, right? Yeah, I love Jalen Ramsey. Like, getting a player that good for a song, that draft pick, I mean, that's that's fantastic business. It's hard to argue with that. Like, if even, you have the space to fit him in, which they do, then what the hell? Even moving him to a two-year guaranteed contract, all fine. I mean, those are, those are the aggressive – I like aggressive moves generally, and I like, uh, you know, high upside moves. This is a high upside move at the right position. Having Jalen Ramsey and Xavier Howard on the outside, 
the scheme fit with Vic Fangio. I like the move quite a bit. This is what the Dolphins have to do, and now and, and they are playing the first contract quarterback game, right? They've yeah. got Tua on the first contract. You can essentially afford to have a big pri- a high-priced receiver and a high-priced corner and using the same – basically the same thing I said about the Bills. Where do I want my high-priced players to be? at the most valuable positions. So I think that that all fits in with what they're doing. And Ramsey's still only 28. Um, when he when he's sort of up for the next deal, you're probably going to be in a tougher spot salary-wise because all of a sudden you probably won't have a quarterback on the first contract. So it's kind of timed nicely to be able to say, we get two years out of him fully guaranteed, then we end up letting him walk. And there's a benefit these days to you know, letting a player as good as that walk and sign somewhere else. Like they can let him hit free agency and potentially get a compensatory draft pick back in the process. So it makes sense. It's a, it's a good process move. It's a good uh, personnel move just from an addition of talent standpoint. And they are loading up at the right areas. They've now got this, we said this multiple times this week, they've got arguably two number one wide receivers and arguably two number one cornerbacks. That, that's good roster construction. Yes. Love that. Well said. David Long was also a really good deal, right? In this crazy... Are we going to like everything? No. I mean, I'm sure we'll hate some things. I'm sure we'll hate something. My previous track record would suggest there are things I won't like. uh, Yeah, I was a little worried we were going to be overly optimistic here, and then thanks for reminding me that you would never let that happen. So I'm I'm liking a lot of what the Dolphins do uh, did here because the aggressive move was at the right positions. The uh, more subtle moves were David Long at linebacker, who is a uh, guy that graded at 76 last year, one of the most valuable linebackers by PFF War last year, two years, 11 million, when we're talking about Tremaine Edmonds and you know some of the linebackers you know busting the market pretty well. David Long on the cheap, and then just getting the running backs back, Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson, again, on the cheap, rather than going crazy for some of the bigger name running backs. Yeah, that's the thing. Like Miami is doing the running back thing the way we've been arguing you should do it, which is don't give a giant free agent contract to any kind of running back. Don't give big money to the second deal. You can get guys like Mostert or Jeff Wilson Jr. for two years and under $10 million apiece. You know, 8.2 for Wilson, 5.6 for Mostert. Both those guys are under contract for two years for the kind of price of one marquee free agent running back. Is there anything the Dolphins haven't done or anything that you that they have done that you don't like? Uh, because to me it's only like, all right, did they did they need to address guard or right tackle a little bit more? Do they need to I probably suggested Kelvin Beecham for them to come in and play right <laughs> tackle. But of course he goes back to Arizona. Yeah. They did they address need- a couple offensive line positions or did they address tight end where Mike Kosicki's still out there? They do still need to work on the offensive line they obviously need a tight end at some point um and it's a good draft for that so maybe that's their approach there uh yeah like maybe you would have liked to see them add an offensive lineman but it's the kind of position where look we're there's still guys out there that can come in there and be capable starters for this team they're not done yet necessarily i also like by the way the addition of mike white um like team, everything. Look at you liking everything that the Dolphins and Bills have done so far. I mean, a team that expects to have Tua back and 100% healthy, but has to, at the very minimum, be thinking of him as a potentially fragile quarterback at this stage, has added a guy who has shown for two years in a row now that if you have to play him and, and give him starts, 
he can look like a capable starter at times. So yeah, it's a bit rich, two years, 16 million, but that's, I think, a sensible um, contingency plan. Yeah, everything's good. Everything's good with Miami. I guess the only questions are how do they handle those other holes on the roster? Would love to see them upgrade at tight end. Would love to see more competition on the offensive line. And then just overall depth on the defensive side. Lose Deshaun Elliott at safety. Brandon Jones is coming back. I mean, I think they're I think they're really good in the secondary. So Yeah. I guess the only thing I don't like is maybe all that they trade like traded for Bradley Chubb when they did. Yeah, that, that can't That's, count. That doesn't count. I'm trying to I'm trying to be negative here, Sam. Let me let me have something negative. I think it's okay to say some teams did a good job so far. I'm just trying to be true to the title. Okay. All right. What's the movie didn't like? For who? Miami. I just told you I couldn't find one. I was making stuff up. Yeah. I was just making stuff up. The thing I don't like is maybe they uh, they have more work to do. That's it. That's all I got. I'll tell you what I do like. Mm-hmm. It's Western and Southern Financial Group. Thank you for uh, bringing you the PFF NFL podcast. While you focus on your roster moves, Western and Southern helps advance your money moves. Buying your first home, planning to start a family, wondering how to make your money grow. Western and Southern's playbook of life insurance investment and retirement solutions helps you rest assured on game day team up to understand needs and address goals with a game plan built just for you get started at westernsouthern.com slash pff basically the two places you should be pff.com for the free agent tracker and then westernsouthern.com slash pff Mm -hmm. everything you need in just two places that's it Uh, let's move on to the new york jets what do we like about the jets aaron Um, Rodgers. do you like aaron Rodgers? I like that it appears to be on its way towards being done. I like that Aaron Rodgers emerged from the darkness and may have chosen us as the team. Well, the so, Jets. yeah, the, the fact that they did whatever full-court press they did on Rodgers, you know, went to, flew out to see him, talked to him, and appeared to have convinced him successfully that he wants to play for the Jets. Now, the next part is convincing the Packers to trade him to you and getting that deal actually over the line, because if you don't manage to get that done, you are screwed. But, yes, theoretically... The Jets have convinced Aaron Rodgers to be their quarterback of 2023 at least, and that's as good as they could have done this offseason. They've attacked the most important position, and they got the best possible player that would have been available to that position. That can't be anything other than a win. I agree. That's it. I mean, look, the alternatives were Derek Carr, Jimmy Garoppolo, I'm I am for high upside plays as I've said this is as high of an upside play as you can as you can make. I was also for from a football standpoint I'd say Russell Wilson deal, Deshaun Watson deal, right? I mean those are recent ones that didn't go well, right? You get the theoretical top 8 quarterback in the building that's supposed to get you over the hump. It certainly didn't work for Denver last year and it looked bad on the surface for the Browns just from a football standpoint. We'll see what happens with Deshaun Watson. But I think I would on field, uh, off field aside, I think I would make both moves again if I was Denver or Cleveland, given that situation. So that's what the Jets are doing here. They're saying, I don't want whatever middle class expectations of a Derek Carr or a Jimmy Garoppolo where you have to put this juggernaut around them to get to the playoffs and beyond. I've got Aaron Rodgers, who should be able to bridge some of that gap. And then if I do put a juggernaut against them, we're not just a playoff team, we're a Super Bowl caliber team. And we need that to compete with the Bills, to do to compete with what the Dolphins are doing. So process was sound, I would say, for the Jets. Take this chance and see what happens. The other alternatives, obviously, were 
getting into the Lamar Jackson thing or making some, well, I mean, these are not off the table yet if the Rodgers thing collapses, um, or making a big trade up in the first round. They pick 13th, you know, they could get into the top 10 and start attacking one of the rookie quarterbacks, but from a what is most likely to come off standpoint, it feels like the Rodgers thing is further ahead than either of those two things. So there might be more work to do as far as the receivers go. Alan Lazard money, it's fine. He replaces Corey Davis, and it makes sense if, you know, I, I trust Aaron Rodgers throwing to Alan Lazard more than I trust him throwing to Corey Davis. That just one's okay. The there. Yeah, that one's okay. Honestly, it's okay if it helps you land Aaron Rodgers. Absolutely. And in addition, it's okay if Rodgers is there. If neither of those two things come off, that's a bad move. Yeah, I don't think Zach Wilson's going to be, you know, using Alan Lazard the same way Aaron Rodgers does. Right. So I like that. That's fine. I, I liked the trade for Chuck Clark for yeah. late round draft pick uh, from the Ravens, a safety that's got some versatility. Uh, the Jets have, have done some fine work in their secondary over the last couple of years. I think all is pretty good, assuming they land Aaron Rodgers. Yes. What about on the... Uh, I found one on the don't like list. Oh, yeah? You're going to pull out the same thing. What do you got? Quincy Wilson at oh, linebacker. Three okay. years, $18 million. It's not. It's not egregious or anything. Yeah. But this is almost like, did the Jets have to sign Alan Lazard to appease Aaron Rodgers? Yeah. Did they have to give <laughs> Quincy Wilson some money because his, uh, his brother quit? What did I say? Wilson. Wow, how many times do I just say the wrong name on the show? And you have to it's probably me. a lot. It is. It is pretty common. Quincy, Quincy Williams. His name's right in front of me. I could read. <laughs> Getting old. Quincy Williams. His brother Quinnen Williams mm. is up for perhaps a market resetting contract. Yeah. So uh, this happens in recruiting all the time, Sam. Right. You recruit the two star brother because you know he's got a five star younger brother coming up. Mm -hmm. You know. You get Quincy Williams. Give, you know, throw a little cash his way and say maybe Quinnen's going to you know, give us a little hometown discount here. Yeah. At the very minimum, I think it's connected enough that you can't hate it. You yeah. know, It's like the Lazard thing. If Lazard was there as a stepping stone to Aaron Rodgers, it's fine. Uh, if Quincy Williams was a deal as a stepping stone to getting a monster contract locked up for Quinnen, it's fine. If it wasn't, then sure, it's a move I don't love. Yeah, we're talking about he had a 55 grade last year. He's been, you know, an okay, he's played a lot of football. He's been an okay linebacker. 55, 44 grades over the last couple of years. So he's not great. I don't love that move from a football standpoint, but uh, I understand there might be some uh, ulterior motives there for the New York Jets. Mm -hmm. All right, wrapping up the AFC East with the New England Patriots. What do you like about what the Patriots have done? Hmm. Um, Jonathan Jones coming back. Yeah. What else? There's that not it? much to love. Yeah, I'm not a I'm not a huge fan. I mean, their best move might be re-signing James Ferrans for like nothing. One year salary of one point one six five million. Two hundred thousand dollars guaranteed. He's basically getting signed for like a modest banking, you know, contract. It's tough to separate the things in isolation. If you showed me they brought back Cornerback Jonathan Jones, who's a good, is just a good player in their system and all that stuff for two years, twenty million, fine. It's a good move. Even if you told me they brought in Juju, Juju Smith-Schuster, they signed him for three years, thirty-three. In isolation, it's fine. He replaces Jacoby Myers. It's the totality of the world we're in in the AFC East, right? If the Patriots were in the NFC South, 
I, it's almost like your take would be different. You'd, if they were in the NFC South, you'd be like, "One, they have back Mac Jones. It's a good, solid quarterback. You get a, they got a good supporting cast. You got Bill Belichick and a good defense. Patriots could win the NFC South, but they're in the AFC East. Yeah, I mean, and they look like the worst team in the AFC East. Yeah, and all they're doing is like what they usually do. Their biggest and probably quote unquote best move was bringing in Juju Smith-Schuster, who might not be an upgrade over Jacoby Myers. Like, Juju put up 900 yards and three touchdowns with the greatest quarterback the game has ever seen throwing him the ball last year. Uh, whoa, My- whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. Myers put up 800 yards and double the touchdowns as the lead option in a bad offense with Mac Jones throwing him the ball. Is it, is it an upgrade? If it is, it's a marginal one. Uh, first off, Tom Brady's the greatest quarterback the game has ever seen and uh, that's why New England's in this mess they set this ridiculous standard for excellence during the Tom Brady era and they built a team with off seasons like this I mean the the vibe in New England this year isn't much different than say 2010 or 2013 which is Bill what are you doing Bill why aren't you making the big move Bill why aren't you Larry Fitzgerald might be at Logan Airport that might be Larry Fitzgerald get Larry Fitzgerald in here I don't care if he's 40 I mean that that was like the vibe in New England forever and maybe it was a little overblown because you could just build you could build your middle class of the roster and you could maybe skimp at receiver here and there because you know Tom Brady's gonna gonna elevate everything. But you can't, I, I don't think you could do that anymore. You can't it can't just be business as usual for New England. And I know they tried to spend all this money two years ago, but it was on Nelson Aguilar and Jonu Smith and Hunter Henry. And a couple of those guys aren't even gonna be here anymore. It's also a very different landscape now. Like for the I mean, one of the underrated aspects of this whole New England dominant stretch of 20 years is for almost all of that time, the rest of that division was bad. Like Buffalo for years stank. The Jets for most of the time stank, except for a brief Rex Ryan period where they challenged and, you know, but they challenged with Mark Sanchez, a quarterback. So it was never really going to be the same thing. Miami were the team that was sort of in the middle and you know, would be a thorn in New England's side every now and again, but weren't really overall threats. Like, all of a sudden, you're looking at this division. Buffalo is one of the prohibitive favorites in the AFC. Easily the best team in the division from a, a just a starting standpoint. Miami is loading up to challenge Buffalo. They might be the best coached team in the NFL when you look at what they have in terms of offense and defensive minds working together. They're now doing the, the things we talked about, two number ones at wide receiver and corner. And then the Jets are trying to get Aaron Rodgers to hang with that. And the Patriots are looking at this rest of this and going, no, we just keep doing what we do. You know, the Patriot way. That's how we win Super Bowls. Is it without Tom Brady? Now, I'll admit, I don't know exactly what the alternatives are at the moment. But, but this, So this is like to where make the Raiders this, were. But to make this work, it's got to be like a T. Higgins trade. It, it has to be. I, again, I'm I'm suckered in by flashy objects but that's what's going to win here the offensive line is fine it'll be good enough they'll figure out tackle they're bringing in riley reef and calvin anderson they got their swing tackles they'll be fine the patriots get over the hump when mac jones can be the catalyst can he can he be the quarterback on a team that's going to be a top eight to ten offense say from an epa standpoint as of right now no is he good enough to distribute if it's T. Higgins and other playmakers, that's that's your only chance. And you can't, you can't just rely on the defense 
which I think under Belichick, it's like, oh, they'll they'll beat up on the Zach Wilsons of the world and the stats will look good. But once they run into Josh Allen and now Aaron Rodgers twice a year, once they run into these teams, it doesn't matter how good your defense is. You have to win through the pass game. And New England right now, even with Bill O'Brien coming in, looks like a bottom 10 type of passing offense. We're in a world now where your only option is to try and hang with these teams that are insane like you have to start swinging for the fences because you're not going to beat them doing anything else this is where the Raiders were a year ago where you know the the entire division was engaged in this crazy arms race and the Raiders have Derek Carr at quarterback you're like well how are you supposed to compete with that well you at least try You, you go swing for Devontae Adams you bring in a Chandler Jones like you just start adding pieces that you think can have the kind of impact to try and bridge that gap Whereas New England is sort of going, nope, that's not what we do. We're going to keep keep ticking over the way we normally do it, and we're going to bring in Juju. That'll do it. I mean, it's just, it won't. So the move I don't like is the one that hasn't been made yet. It's where is, where's the big deal? Like, where's the big move that's going to catapult this team somewhere different to where it is right now? It needs to be, whether it's New Hopkins, whether it's T. Higgins, whether it's a Brandon Ayuk. Like, it's got to be something that changes the dynamic. The Jacoby Myers to Juju change, if it changed anything at all, it's a minimal change. That's not going to get it done against this division. Well said. Summed up. That's it. I'm complete agreement. The move that hasn't been made yet in New England is what I don't like. Everything else is fine. Solid. Get good players in there. They need, they need something more drastic, I think, in New England. All right, let's go to the AFC North, starting with the Baltimore Ravens. Hmm. Haven't done much. No. Trayvon Mullen, but they Justice have done, Hill. They have done something very significant, though, with placing the non-exclusive franchise tag on Lamar Jackson. I mean, based off the way the market's playing out, have they actually played their hand correctly? Yes. Is that the right that, – was that the move you like? Well – Non-exclusive tag to so Lamar was correct. They've played it – correctly in so far as I believe they're going to quote unquote win the negotiation like they have called his bluff and said we think you're being unreasonable with these contract demands we think the rest of the league is where we are not where you are and we're willing to prove it to you by gambling that nobody else is going to make that offer and actually we're going to challenge you to go find one because we're putting the crappy tag on you rather than the exclusive one which is worth millions more to you so, and it, it appears they're right because so far nobody is, there's been crickets. Nobody's been making these contract offers to Lamar. So from that point of view, they're winning the negotiation. Like the only way to go from here is for Lamar to basically come back and sign his tender and then move on or hope that things change after the draft and teams can start thinking about the next two years where the draft picks. But as of right now, like Baltimore strategy is working. Where it's risky is... We don't know what that has done to like the personal relationships involved here for a guy who's serving as his own agent. Like that it doesn't feel like the natural reaction to anybody losing a negotiation so publicly that way will be a positive one. Yeah, so that's like uh it's the answer to both, isn't it? It's both What's... the move you hated and love the most. It's the most it's it's the right business move to your point but it's also the one that could backfire the most yeah. because we got to this point of not having him locked up. 
and it look it was it's been a two way street between the Ravens and Lamar Jackson, where I think both I think both sides were close at one point. I think the team the Ravens were close to having a deal that they were comfortable with, with uh, for Lamar, and I think Lamar at one point was comfortable with a deal. And then things things have just changed, and they just never got to the finish line. So it's both because they only did a handful of things. The move that we like and the move that we uh, don't like for the Baltimore Ravens. Okay. Still more to come here. I don't love releasing Calais Campbell either. Now, I, th- I think I believe, that's a procedural move. Well, I believe they said at the time it's not closing the door and him coming back. So if he comes back, fine. But Yeah, that's to, to restructure and save some money and all that stuff. But, yeah, Calais Campbell. that only Campbell, works if somebody doesn't sign him. Yeah, I get it. So that that could come back to bite a little bit, but they were always going to need to get a little bit younger there. Anyway, Calais Campbell's been fantastic. What a deal that was. Would they trade a fifth or a sixth? Fifth, I think. For him? Yeah. Do that all day, even with the, the price tag on the end of it. All right, let's go uh, Cincinnati Bengals. They next? Yeah. Cincinnati Bengals, AFC North. Mm-hmm. What do you like? What do you don't like? Um, They made big news, by the way, last night. We haven't talked about it. Orlando Brown comes yeah. in. To play left tackle. Is that going to be your your big your favorite? I I'm I, I think it's fine. <laughs> I don't know if it's I mean it's the only re- re-signing Jermaine Pratt or Orlando Brown are the two that were competing for, that are competing here. Don't you dare forget about re-signing Michael Thomas, the safety, special teams ace. Yeah, yeah. I saw the I mean, Bengals tweeted out. They said pen to that. paper, and they had a big, you know, a big smile. He's a former winner of uh, PFF Special Teams Player of the Year. Well, there you go. That's our best one. But uh, Orlando Brown coming in is an interesting one. It's interesting, at the least. So is the contract. So they front-loaded yes. that thing heavy. That 30, like. $31 million in, is in the first year or as a bonus? Whatever. Like $31 million, it's the highest amount guaranteed or given in the first year or whatever the thing is specific to an offensive lineman in NFL history. And that is done deliberately because they're about to have some giant money coming down the pike in Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. Like they have, they've structured this thing in such a way as we're going to get all the money out of the way early because we don't have money later on. That part I, I think is great. Yes. Uh, anticipating Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, you know, being those guys, I again, I don't know if this signifies the end of T. Higgins in Cincinnati in the long term. I think the Orlando Brown trade uh, signing has to pair with figuring out T. Higgins. So Higgins is going to head into year four of his contract, four out of four, right? He's not a first rounder. Do you just let him play it out? Do you actually listen to trade offers and think, you know, this is what the Chiefs kind of did? I mean, this is a, a Chiefs-ish blueprint, specifically also getting Orlando Brown, but basically saying we have choices where we can put our big investment. And the Chiefs chose offensive line to the detriment of their receiving core, letting Tyreek Hill go, but they they traded high, right? They sold high on Tyreek Hill and basically got four or five players in exchange. Do the Bengals take that forward-thinking approach because at some point – they have to make that decision. Do we want nearly half of our cap locked up in basically skill position players, Burrow, Chase, and Higgins? Well, and I don't know that they do. But do you just let Higgins play one more year, and this is your go-for a year for the Super Bowl? Because Chase plus Higgins is, I mean, that's, that's what I'm, we're preaching for every other team to do this, right? To go get two and three and four playmakers. The Bengals already have it, and now they're choosing, do we remain in this spot 
do we or, or do we lock that or do we let it play out or do we lock it up for the long term? Yeah, I mean, the longer it goes, the more it looks like it's going to be a Jesse Bates type of situation where they're kind of planning all along that they're not really going to re-sign this guy to the next contract, but they're going to play him out as long as they can have him, which is the end of his contract, then a franchise tag, and then he walks. Um, having said that, I, so I believe it's true when they say they have no intention of trading T. Higgins, but I think that's a different thing to saying we will not trade T. Higgins and every team in the NFL that needs a wide receiver, particularly one that needs a number one wide receiver, should be phoning them up and finding out what the offer is that they will turn down. Like, you know, we have no intention of trading him. Okay, so a second round pick, forget it. Well, does a first round pick change the answer to that question? Because, you know, he's not as good, I don't think, as A.J. Brown. But you said all last year, there's not a better first round pick spent last season than the one spent to acquire A.J. Brown. That can be true this year as well. There, there might not be a better first-round pick spent than the one used to acquire T. Higgins if a first-round pick will pry him away from Cincinnati. So every team that's still in that market, and New England should be one of them, should be making that phone call and finding out just how wedded they are to that idea of keeping him around. Um, but the other area, the, or the area where they really do appear to be running the Kansas City playbook is the determined fashion that they have attacked that offensive line since the moment they were sure of Joe Burrow. Like, oh no, we got him hurt. We have to overhaul this thing. They bring in three guys in the first couple of days of um, free agency a year ago. They're not done. They go after aggressively a guy as good as Orlando Brown to, to pick the one position that was sort of, they thought was okay. And then Jonah Williams has a bad year, albeit battling through injuries. Now they probably flip him to right tackle and either make him compete with Lyle Collins or simply the Collins thing was, you know, one year and done. Um, that itself is an interesting, you know, de uh, decision. We've talked about all the, the offensive tackles that have been moving sides. Juwan Taylor is apparently going to be on the left side for the Chiefs. Orlando Brown obviously moved to the left and is going to be staying on the left. Jonah Williams, I think the last time he played on the right side was 2016, like one year at Alabama earlier in his career. He was the right tackle when Cam Robinson was the left tackle, right? right? And then flipped to the left side as soon as Robinson went to the NFL. That's the last time he played right tackle. So that's not a gimme. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting, man. I, it is. It's an interesting play. I, so I'll say I like the Orlando Brown move. I think it's it's fine. I like the fact that they do want to shore up the offensive line. I'm fascinated to see what they do next with Higgins. And even though, again, I'm there, there's – I want to look at a depth chart and say, try to cover him and him and him. Like I, that's when I look at a team and I'm breaking them down. That's kind of where I start. Who's throwing the ball, and who's he throwing to? I, I'm also open to the idea, though, if one of those guys, like Higgins, is your two and he's valued as a one elsewhere, and you might be able to get multiple players for him. I'm open to that idea, right? Because you at least have Chase. And then it's it's you'd have to you still have to draft well, right? Like for the for the for the Bengals to compete with the Chiefs, for the Chiefs to just be the top dog every year, for the Bills to compete, for all these teams that have their top three quarterback line uh, locked up, they still have to draft well and create this world around them. So that still has to happen. So having a few more lottery tickets in the draft and all that stuff could easily be part of that strategy for the Bengals. Mm -hmm. So I'm okay with saying, hey, I like that. What about on the don't like? Is it they lose Jesse Bates, they lose Von Bell? 
a lot of Bengals fans wanted Von Bell back. Didn't want to lose both safeties. Maybe that's on the, yeah. the don't like list. Here Von Bell, Bengals. letting Von Bell walk would be on my don't like list. I, the, the Jesse Bates thing was always going to happen. Like they very clearly almost, almost announced that publicly by the way they were acting around Jesse Bates that like, this is just not going to get done. He's not going to be a long-term guy. We're going to play out his contract. We're going to franchise tag him. And then that's the end of the Jesse Bates thing. So that's been coming for a long time. They knew they weren't going to be having him. That's why they drafted a guy like Daxton Hill to come in and replace him in a succession plan. But now they got to do both starting safeties in one offseason. And that's just a bigger headache than a team that wants to be in a Super Bowl probably wants in any given year. All right, let's move on to the – so I, I just agree. I agree with you there. Well, there's, there's basically no other choice. Right. Yeah. So I agree, and I move on. Okay. Just trying to keep it. Cleveland Browns. What do you like about what the Browns have done? Um, I think we'll both have the same one. Uh, it's Okorwankwo, the edge rusher. Obo. Um, brought in to the, the Texans last year on what was a great flyer move for them. Took like half a season to get going, but then once he was starting games, playing the majority of the snaps late in the year, I think from week 11 on, something like that, he had basically 30 pressures over that, the back end of the season. All of his sacks came in that period where he was actually starting games rather than just coming in as a bit of a rotation guy. I think he showed that he can be a legitimate starting threat, particularly opposite a guy like Miles Garrett. So for them to come in, add a guy like Akaronquo and bring in Dalvin Tomlinson, albeit on some pretty hefty money, those are two players that should dramatically improve that defensive line. Not, not to overreact to like the two people on Twitter that called me on it, but I, I, I think I said that they overpaid for Tomlinson in passing the other day. I haven't, I, I haven't seen the specific contract breakdown, so I don't want to overreact completely. And it's a lot of money for Dalvin Tomlinson. Um, but I get it, right? I mean, he... Tomlinson was a guy. So I'm, I would put this on the – I like a lot of what the Browns did. So I guess Tomlinson would be the one I have the biggest question about. But it's still fine. I think it's still fine, Tomlinson. Uh, we see the grades on the screen there. 77 pass rush grade, only a 65 run defense grade. Part of that was how he played in Minnesota. I think they probably move him back to more of a pure nose tackle in Cleveland, which they need. They've, they've just needed somebody who could play the run. That's what Tomlinson was. Yeah. With the Giants, they need somebody up front. Um, the Browns played they, – they played the positional value playbook at defensive tackle, where if you stack up the positions – we did this at the Sloan panel. You stack them up, and defensive tackle's really low. But now we see the NFL not only paying for those guys, but the teams that played the positional value playbook and said, we're not going to pay for these guys. We're going to bring in Taven Bryan for a year. We're going to try third-rounder Jordan Elliott. We're going to try second, third, fourth-rounders, which the Browns have done. They've been absolutely gashed against the run in certain games. It's, it's been a weakness. He's, so they're reverting back the other way and saying, let's, let's invest in Tomlinson, who can be a, a really good nose tackle. Yeah, he's had at least 20 defensive stops every single season of his career. Um, the Browns had one guy that had more than 10 on the interior of the defensive line last season. That was Jordan Elliott who had a team, but it took him 700 snaps to get there, and he had a run defense grade of 33. So the difference, like the upgrade from what they had a season ago to Dalvin Tomlinson should be massive. And Tomlinson started off his career with multiple seasons straight of just dominant run defense as a, a you know true kind of nose tackle for the Giants. The Vikings used him a little bit more broadly along that defensive line, and he showed that he, he actually has some pass rushing chops as well. 
it did come at the detriment of his run defense, but over his career, he's shown that he can do a little bit of everything along that defensive front, be good at all of it. And again, just from what the Browns had last season, essentially Taven Bryan and Jordan Elliott as their two starters, it's a huge upgrade. So bringing back Ethan Pos- uh, Posick, Posick, I mean, I'd never say his name the right way. Pochich? Pochich, yeah. Bringing him back at center, solid. I love the Okoronkwo signing. I get the Tomlinson signing. And they brought in Juan Thornhill last night to play safety. They're all just, those are all free agent type of moves. Tomlinson's the only one that's really big money. Okoronkwo at three years, $22 million is very reasonable. A guy that keeps proving it on one-year deals and earned a, I, I, I like that price tag for a productive edge. I like that price tag. Yeah. When that's, you, you have guys getting that almost per year on the interior of the defensive line who might not be as good as uh, Okoronkwo. So I think, I think the Browns playing it well so far. Yeah, I mean, they're, generally speaking, these are moves to, other than Tomlinson. Tomlinson. Tomlinson is the one that changes things a little bit, but the rest of them are all kind of just to keep things ticking over. Like Pochich obviously is re-signing to play the position he played last year. Thornhill comes in as a like-for-like replacement for John Johnson, hopefully an upgrade for them, given how badly the Johnson thing worked out. And then Okorwankwo comes in to replace Jadavian Clowney, who also didn't really work out for them. So theoretically, they are hoping that attacking the same positions and getting better players will, will have better results for them, which, you know, makes sense. All right, let's go to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Do we have you... a move we didn't like? There, there's, I mean, they didn't. Tomlinson's probably the one I would have to put there. But again, we don't. Do we have to? Do we have to be true to the show and be negative about something if we don't want to be? Who do they? Did they let anybody walk that would be not ideal? I mean, Kareem Hunt is not there anymore, but that kind of makes some sense. John Johnson. I mean, that just didn't work out, so that's fine. I think. I mean, that's the negative is that John Johnson just didn't work out. The negative is the signing two years ago that looked pretty good on yeah. the surface. Didn't I think that's work stretching out. it more than simply saying they didn't have bad moves. I would say the only other question mark is uh, flashy playmakers. Yeah. More flashy playmakers. Just, I mean, there aren't many of those available. So, I mean, if we're, if we're going to go on a 10-minute diatribe about how the Patriots are failing their fan yeah, base and all that stuff, can't no, we do no, the no, same that's thing different. for the Browns? They have Amari Cooper, Donovan Peoples-Jones, David Bell, Anthony Schwartz. Like, they need... They need to, Amari Cooper needs his C.D. Lamb. To they be already have him. Amari Cooper. Like, the Patriots don't have anybody. Like, Juju Smith-Schuster is not on the level of Amari Cooper, so they're starting from a much lower standpoint than the Browns are. And, by the way, theoretically, Deshaun Watson should be significantly better than Mac Jones. So it's a different dynamic. Like, I don't think the Browns can or should realistically be in the market for a T. Higgins, a New Hopkins, a Brandon Ayuk, whatever that number one guy is available theoretically through trade that might not be available. We're just speculating. I don't think they should be in that marketplace. The Patriots absolutely should. Fair. So more work to do, though. I would still, I still want more flashy, flashy, uh, shiny things in Cleveland. How's that? Okay. Pittsburgh Steelers. What do you like about our friends in Pittsburgh? Um, hmm. It's their best move there. There's a lot of just – they started bringing Patrick Peterson. Well, they've been unusually active in free agency for Pittsburgh. Yeah. They generally don't do a lot. Nate Herbig at, at guard. I think they've done a nice job stitching together the offensive line the last couple of years. I still don't think that they're great, but they, 
you know, they've crept back toward average there, I'd say. I was impressed that it didn't drop off last year in the, with the change in quarterback from Roethlisberger, who was just getting the ball out of his hands as fast as humanly possible, regardless of impact to the offense, and going to Trubisky and then Pickett, each of whom holds the ball a lot longer. You know, obviously they, they bring some movement to the table that Roethlisberger wasn't, but still I expected that offensive line to decline reasonably significantly just based off the change of environment, and it didn't. It kind of stayed at the same sort of level, which, as you say, wasn't great, but was still, you know, pretty decent, and it's better as a pass-blocking unit than it is as a run-blocking unit, which is probably important in today's NFL. So, yeah, just, just sort of to keep... Uh, tinkering with that, I think, is a good plan. I don't think they needed to do anything crazy like, you know, they didn't need to be the team that signed Orlando Brown to replace Dan Moore at left tackle. If they can find a, an upgrade to Dan Moore, sure, but not necessarily to the point of going and trying to make a big splash with somebody like that. So I'm okay with that. Um, I'm curious to see what Cole Holcomb does in this defense. They have struggled to find linebackers that actually make the kind of impact that they've become accustomed to for years in the last few seasons and they've sort of swung at a bunch of different types of linebacker now Holcomb is the next guy to take a shot at the, the, I like the guys that they took shots at though right sure De, uh, Deion Bush I'm sorry um Devin Bush Devin Bush jeez man doing it again I knew it was not Dion. I mean I know, right. I know who it is <laughs> Devin Bush didn't work out as a first round pick they took a flyer on Miles Jack he hasn't worked out I don't think from a grading standpoint for us Maybe a Cole Holcomb, don't have the terms in front of me here yet, but Cole Holcomb's been a good solid linebacker when he's been healthy for the commanders. Chronic migraine is 15 or more headache days a month, each lasting four hours or more. Botox, onabotulinum toxin A, prevents headaches in adults with chronic migraine. It's not for adults with migraine with 14 or fewer headache days a month. It prevents, on average, eight to nine headache days a month versus six to seven for placebo. Prescription Botox is injected by your doctor. Effects of Botox may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness can be signs of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Side effects may include allergic reactions, neck and injection site pain, fatigue, and headache. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Don't receive Botox if there's a skin infection. Tell your doctor your medical history, muscle or nerve conditions, including ALS Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis or Lambert-Eaton syndrome, and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. Ask your doctor and visit BotoxChronicMigraine.com or call 1-800-44-BOTOX to learn more. So I think that's fine. That's all solid. Bring back Demonte Casey in the secondary. Solid is going to be the name of the game for Pittsburgh. I almost might have the same reaction as uh, New England, though. Is solid enough in the AFC? Right. You know, is is business as usual for the Steelers? Is that sufficient for a team? Um, there's a bit of an upside play with Patrick Peterson coming off of a, a pretty good year with Minnesota. Patrick yeah. Peterson is a little different, I would say, for Pittsburgh getting a guy at that at his age. I know they brought in Joe Hayden later in his career, but not at this late as Patrick Peterson. Peterson came into the league one year after Hayden, I believe. So he's getting up there. But two years, $14 million to take a shot for at a guy that obviously has been a high-end corner. And it's not necessarily a scheme fit either. I mean, Peterson at this point I think is very dependent on zone-heavy defense to, to be good. Um, I know he kind of made his name as a man-cover corner earlier in his career, but he's just not the same guy anymore. If you go back 
since 2019, I think. His numbers against man coverage versus zone coverage are night and day, certainly from a grade standpoint. You, you do need – so this is an area where PFF grades are important because a lot of times statistics match up with the grades. You know, Generally speaking, good things happen, you get good grades. Bad things happen, you get bad grades. But it's not always the case, especially in coverage, where a ball can be thrown into your coverage – and come up incomplete in a way in which you had a bad play. You know, you got beat on the play. Are the you, wide receiver's running downfield, and then the quarterback sails it over his head. You keep referencing these numbers. You did this on the last show. Mm-hmm. That nobody even nobody knows what these numbers are. Well, because the numbers themselves are kind of irrelevant. Like I think he was targeted twelve times in man coverage and gave up three catches for something. Like there, he has good coverage numbers last year specifically in man coverage. They are, however, a Mirage. Okay. His actual performance is worse because multiple one multiple of those incompletions were not good plays by him and were just lucky. Still coming off his best year in a while. Oh, so the zone but the zone part of it was really good comparatively. Um and you know, he was talking about being an all pro last year. I think that was always a little bit over the top. But he did that's what you're answering. You're answering this request by him to be an all pro as an all pro voter no, no no like he did so he had a good year last year but my point being i think he's now become very dependent on zone coverage generally to be at his best whatever that may be um and pittsburgh you know pittsburgh i think is is go- ran more man coverage last season than the vikings did in that defense so i, I don't know how much they're going to pivot back in favor of that or how much juice he's still got in the tank in man coverage or whether they can kind of scheme him up against specific match him up against specific wide receivers to mitigate whatever um, potential problems or will be there I just I don't don't know if that's the greatest scheme fit in the world to bring him in yeah that's fine I mean it's a solid it's probably a solid signing it's not the uh, it's not what our friend Pony thinks getting the future Hall of Famer well Hall of Famer so as we all know Hall of Famers play at a Hall of Fame level right up until they stop playing all the way through all the way through I mean, he'll probably go into the Hall of Fame as a Steeler, Patrick Peterson. I well, can't imagine why he would. It's good for the Steelers getting another Hall of Famer. Um, so I think they're making they're making solid moves. As far as on the what we don't like end, there's a move that I can highlight. I also want to pose the question: Are the Steelers similar to the Patriots, where they have their style, they have their way, their way works much better when you have either the best quarterback of all time, Sam Tom Brady in New England, or Ben Roethlisberger, who most of his career was a top five to eight quarterback, probably top eight quarterback in his era, right? And your baseline is just so much higher that you don't have to be great elsewhere on the roster. You could be good elsewhere on the roster. And the Steelers, that's what they've always done. And Mike Tomlin is good, right? He never never loses, never loses. Is that enough in Pittsburgh with first contract quarterback Kenny Pickett, or do they need to find an edge elsewhere on the roster to compete with the ba- in their own division, the Bengals, the Ravens, and what should be a solid Browns team. Like to me, the question for them is the move. It's that they didn't make a significant change in the coaching side of things. Like this was a team that I think has the talent. Like from a personnel standpoint, I think they're fine. Deontay Johnson, George Pickens, Pat Fryermuth, Najee Harris, an offensive line that's okay and better than that when a, from a pass blocking standpoint. And Pickett, I think, showed enough last season to be really encouraging. That should do better than it's done so far. And for multiple years now, this offense has kind of seemed 
limited and, and stuck in this weird short horizontal pattern of play that for a couple of seasons was kind of put down to just how Roethlisberger plays now. It's like the guy is just like he, he knows he can't do it anymore. So he's just getting the ball out of his hands as fast as possible. You know, like dump offs to the flat on fourth and 10 type of thing. You're like, well, that's just Roethlisberger as soon as we go to a different quarterback. But no, like new quarterbacks, two of them, same kind of dynamic. Like they, something needs to change from a schematic point of view. And it seemed like the obvious thing to change was a coaching change. And that didn't happen. So that, I guess, is my least favorite Pittsburgh move is that there was no change there. And uh, for me, I mean, I agree with all that stuff. I would say it's uh, Larry Ogunjobi gets re-signed for three years, $30 million. At about ten million per year, he's he's fine. Ogunjobi's an interesting one where our our grades don't seem to match up with league perception. That hap- I mean, that happens sometimes. But also, we the grades loved him year one. Like year one, he came in and he was crushing it in a, in run defense in 2017. Yeah, and that almost seemed to like cement his reputation from that point on. And then he played. So that he was like a situational guy then for Cleveland, or not even situational, just didn't play a lot. Um, the following years, he became like an every-down starter and never played anything like that level again. Yeah, I mean, I'm just saying, he's played over 4,000 snaps, hasn't graded well for us really since that 2017 season. Other than that, it's been okay to below average. Last year, he was okay. He was just okay. I know the market's crazy for interior defensive linemen, but I don't want to pay that much money for just okay but there's the familiarity I mean it's not like their run defense has been good or was good last year when he was there right right he's the type of guy that other teams are like hey we got to show up our run defense get Ogunjobi in here the Steelers weren't good against the run last year or the year before and um yeah I just don't love that move all right we're halfway through how's our pace not great AFC South Houston Texans what do we like about what the Texans are doing and before you say it, they're doing the same thing, it's they're not doing the same thing this year. They're not? No. In what way does this differentiate from their previous? Robert Woods, Jimmy Ward, Shaq Mason. They got actual starters this year. Sheldon Rankins. They got plenty of starters before. They were just no, lesser they, names. You're going to tell me, oh, they just keep doing the same thing. There are plenty of those moves here, right? They get Hassan Ridgeway for a year and Mike Boone for a year. In this list of moves here, there are real ones. Robert Woods is a legitimate receiver, by low candidate. Sheldon Rankins is good. Jimmy Ward, they're bringing him in from San Francisco to play in the same defense. This is nothing like, I mean, there's similarities, I guess, to previous two Texans offseasons. This is four more good play- This is probably the best four signings they've had over the last two years. I mean, okay, but that's, that's slightly different to the point of what they You're loved. telling me they're doing the same thing. They're, you're going to tell me they're doing the same thing. They're not. Jimmy Ward is a legitimate long-term play at safety. Robert Woods is a two-year play at receiver that yeah. isn't just like a special teamer. Uh-huh. Sheldon Rankins, it's a one-year deal, but it, you know they're at least spending $10 million on him. In, just so people know, in previous years, all they seemed to do was get special teamers and backups on one-year deals, and that was it. No. That's not what that's they're doing. That's not true. I've just specifically dialed up last year's free agent tracker to compare it, and there are, there are multiple two-year deals for players that could or should have been starters for this team. Christian Kirksey at linebacker, two years, $10 million. What uh, is Malik aging Coll- linebacker? Malik Collins on the defensive line, two years, $17 million. Like, they signed starters to these two-year deals they got, last they year as well. they were good players. I'm saying they this year they're actually getting good players. Robert too. Woods looked like crap last year. It's a new season. 
Oh, okay. So then it doesn't One matter. One more year of experience. Uh-huh. He'll be They've done exactly the same thing this year. You just like the players that they signed better this year. That's right. But it's 100% the same playbook, which is my concern. Sheldon Rankins, better than Malik Collins. They're getting better players. Jimmy Ward, better than anything else they've had in the secondary over the last five years. Uh-huh. They're getting better players. And Robert Woods is a is a buy low, hope he gets back. Those are all those are all good moves. So yeah. what do you like about what the Texans have done before you tell me they're doing the same stuff? Well, they are doing the same stuff. So uh, brought in Bobby Slowick. They did. They brought in PFF Bobby. Uh, my favorite move they made actually is acquiring Shaq Mason. Um, I don't understand why the Bucks wanted to move on from him in the first place. I know his contract is significant, but like, he was a good offensive lineman. He wasn't bad last year. He wasn't um, great. He wasn't great, but he wasn't bad either. Like not, he wasn't bad to the point where like, oh, this is this was a disaster. We only brought him in because Tom Brady was here. Now it's time to get rid of that. You know, get onto a proper offensive lineman. Like he's a good, it's the money caliber starting offensive lineman who wasn't getting paid so much that it it should make you want to ship him off. Like that, I don't understand that move from a Tampa Bay point of view, and I think for Houston's point of view, that's good business. It's acquiring a really good player for. Um, cheap in terms of trade value all right so I, I i like a few of those moves then i like jimmy ward coming in apparently i like robert woods i like sheldon rankins even though it's only a one-year deal i like the one-year flyer on chase winovich every year another another every year guy hmm. one year 2.75 this is the year for chase winovich okay what don't you like about houston i mean i don't like that they're doing the same thing that yeah they did. what is the what are we doing here for the second year in a row. I mean, not even the second year in a row. This is probably ever since Casario has been there, he is running what appeared to be the Patriot way where we just bring in these random guys for like one or two year flyers. And when you have the nucleus of the championship team already, that looks like genius. It's like, wow, he's just he's just finding these gems from nowhere that come in and they make a contribution in a Super Bowl, in an AFC championship game. That's how the Patriots win man. these things year after Listen. year after year. But when you don't have the nucleus of a Super Bowl winning team, when you don't have Tom Brady, you're just bringing in Mike Boone randomly. And it's like, what is what what is the purpose? What, but you don't need to focus on the Mike Boone move when there's 12 moves there that okay. Houston made. They How added many? a starting receiver in Robert Woods, a starting guard in Shaq Mason, a starting safety in Jimmy Ward, a starting defensive tackle in Sheldon Rankins. I get the idea. Mr. Shiny Objects over here, me. I get that. That's what I want for all the teams. But because Nick Casario and the Texans added zero starters over the last two years because of the players, the, the, the Mike Boons of the world, that's all they brought in the last couple of years and aging Christian Kirksey and all that stuff, who's still not very good, they're actually bringing in good, solid starters for the first time since Nick Casario's been in there. This is different. It is completely different. They, they have good, solid starters. They've made their team better this offseason for the first time. They didn't bring in zero starters. You just didn't like the players that they brought in, so it didn't help. They brought in starters. The starters were just not good players. Now the guys that you think are good players haven't necessarily been good players. Robert Woods gained just over one, one yard per route run last season coming off his ACL. He looked like a dude who was toast. Yes. Coming, and you're like, well, now we're buying low. It's fine. Coming off an ACL. Okay, but you're buying low because it's a broken down, like, not running hatchback. And he's an upgrade over everything else that they have there. Maybe. If, if you, we'll see what happens with Brandon Cooks, but him and 
Brandon Cooks and Nico Collins. He's he's right there with those guys. <laughs> he's not anywhere near Brandon Cooks based oh, off a, last year. He's a tick below Brandon Cooks, but the man averaged less than. These 10 are yards. better moves. These are better moves that the Texans have made than they have in previous years. He averaged. They're less. actually building a foundation. He averaged less than 10 yards a catch last year and just over one yard per route run. That was a horrendous output for a guy who still played a ton. In a run-heavy offense. Yeah. But part of it was only run-heavy because the passing game was so bad. Because Robert Woods was their number one wide receiver. Yeah, I mean, that's the Titans' fault. Robert Woods is not a number one receiver. That's their fault. You don't treat him as a number one receiver. He's a two and a half now. A two. Who <laughs> could be a two? Okay. But I, I think you're pushing. I think you're pushing a narrative that doesn't exist. I don't think I'm pushing I'm, better moves. They're trying to go from essentially the worst team in the NFL over the last pick your stretch of time, right? And trying to get back to not being bad. How do you do that with this group of players? By in? adding four good starters to a team that has two good starters. I, That's progress. I'm not sure how you're getting four good starters out of that list of players. Robert Woods, good. Sha Shaq Mason, we, again, good. Robert Woods is not Sheldon good right Rankins, now. Good. You might get Jimmy one. Ward, good. You probably get one good starter. Out Malik of that Collins, list. meh. Christian Kirksey, meh. That's who they brought in in recent years that you're saying, oh, those are starters. Okay. Ro uh, From Jimmy meh Ward to good. Jimmy Ward is probably your one good starter coming out of that list. Yeah. Like. Wood and Woods is a good uh, a good risk. The to take there. Sheldon Rankin's average grade over the last three years is like 55. 73 last year. Yeah, last year. But 46 the year before that. 57 the year before He's that. He's similar to Malik Collins. He's similar. Right. This is my point. Shaq Mason's an upgrade. Yes, that is an upgrade, which is why it was the move I liked the most. And Robert Woods is better than whatever else they have there. All right. Good discussion on the Houston Texans. I think the arrow's pointing up for the first – where it was pointing down when they were already low the last couple of years. I don't think it was – if you went back and listened to our analysis of the Texans previously, I think you would hear it, it sounding a lot like yours now, which is I like a lot of these moves. These are shrewd little pickups, but where are they making the additions to like 1 through 20 on the roster? Same thing. They're going to do that in I kind of like some of these moves, but where have they changed the actual – core of this team going forward i guess i'm still thinking that they're in rebuild mode right you've got a new coach you know you're not getting a new quarterback i'm okay with patience here for the texans i'm less so i'm not okay i'm i'm saying i have a different tune with the steelers and with the patriots because they have their quarterback they have them on their first contract and they're in divisions where it's cr crazy difficult to compete so i'm expecting more from you're them. like the guy who's got you know a project car in the garage for like the last 15 years and as long as you keep fixing one bolt a week you're like ah, it's, it's still moving in the right direction you know yeah. that that 67 camaro is going to be shiny and new in about 2034 and then you'll be sorry when i'm driving my uh my special classic you're going to look like an idiot right then that's me yeah man we're running out of time and the indianapolis colts we got seven teams to discuss here we got this easy what do you like about the colts Whew. They haven't done a lot. <laughs> hmm? I just, that was a good. Hmm. I mean, I'm just reading their moves and I'm trying to find one that I like. <laughs>
Well, what you, you're you've got like the kicker. So I'm going to get Samson Ebucam. That's got to be their best move because it's, you know, <coughs> it's about the only one you can point to. I saw Stefan Gilmore's name and I'm like, oh, that's a, oh, no, they <laughs> traded him away. Yeah, that's not great. Ebucam's a solid player. That's a decent move for them. Right? <laughs> that's got to be sorry. it. I'm sorry. Ebucam, 43 pressures last year, 25 defensive stops, solid enough grade, solid enough grade every single year of his career. He's a good player to have on the rotation. Done. Good. Best move they've made. The best one they made was not trading for Carson Wentz or Matt Ryan or their equivalent this year. <laughs> the best move is sitting at four right now. Hmm. They could have traded Derek Carr before they cut him. That would have been a move. Oh, that would have been something. That would have been something. All right. Sorry. I'm, uh, I guess Ebucam okay. would my, be the move for the Colts. My least favorite move is Matt Gay. Yes. Signing a kicker to a four-year deal that's worth $22.5 I don't care who the kicker is. If it's not Justin Tucker, that's a bad move. What if he's going to be the second best kicker? Doesn't matter. Locked he's not in. Justin Tucker. The gap between the second best kicker and Justin Tucker is enough that it means that will not be a good deal. Market resetting deal for Matt Gay at kicker. Somebody throw throw a a reminder in the calendar for three years time. I guarantee that deal will have proven been proven to be bad. That's the yeah. first guarantee for anything I've thrown out in like three years. Since doing this, you learn, never guarantee anything. The one thing you can guarantee is that the kicker deal for four, mil, four years Why is it gonna be bad? will be bad. Because at some point in that four-year period, Matt Gay will go through that period that every kicker goes through where he forgets how to kick. And at that point, they'll cut him, they'll move on, they'll sign some rando kicker that was you know, an undrafted free agent, busted out of his first team in the preseason, and that guy will be an upgrade. At old takes exposed. Be ready. Bookmark it. See, now we're moving fast. I got nothing else on the Colts. Easy. Probably agree with you on the Matt Gay deal there. Yeah. A lot of money for Matt Gay. Jacksonville Jaguars. What do you like? It's almost as hard. So they're interesting. They re-signed Roy Robertson Harrison, or Harris, before he even gets, um, before he even needed to be re-signed. But they go three years, 30 million. For the, for the big interior defensive linemen. Again, I, I pretty much hate all these D-tackle $10 million a year moves, but it doesn't seem egregious now. Except Sheldon given, Rankins, apparently. It's only one year. One year for Rankins is fine. So I, I hate most of them. I think Draymond Jones and a lot of those guys made a lot of money. Maybe this looks like a decent deal given the market, though. Good read on the market by the Jags. These are just starting defensive tackles who are pretty good. I like bringing making a lot of money. Evan Engram back on the franchise tag. Yeah, one year, eleven million dollars essentially, for a guy that broke out last season within that offense. That is clearly, I mean, he's always been a dynamic player. That part was never in question. Like he's an he's an exceptional athlete, uh, a really good um, has really good speed for the tight end position. That being paired with Trevor Lawrence as he kicks into whatever this ceiling of his game is going to be. I think is a pretty important move for them. I agree with that. Ingram was one of our highest graded receiving tight ends down the stretch. And I think you just, he found a little connection with Trevor Lawrence at one point. I think that matters. Yeah. And you do it on the, on the one year and look, the franchise, the franchise tag is solid to just kind of buy you some time, right? Because when, when we're sitting here in the off season, trying to figure out how they're going to fill this need, how they're going to fill that need, just buying yourself some time at tight end where you don't have to force a draft pick or whatever it might be. Or, or you could draft somebody with the idea to, you know, ease them in and take over next year. It just, it just adds some, some flexibility. So I agree. That's a good, solid move. Anything you don't like? It really isn't. About the Jags. 
They released Shaquille Griffin in the secondary. Yeah, I think that's the right move given the play he'd had, given the money he was on. I think that makes sense. I don't – it's not a lot I don't like. Is there anything that they uh, that they should have done? Last year was their big spending spree in mm-hmm. Jacksonville. You didn't seem to like it then either. Do you like what they did last year now? Oh, by the way, the other move, that's not really anything they did, but they're getting Calvin Ridley back. His uh, suspension, you know, lifted. So, theoretically – I mean, a number one wide receiver for them coming in the door. He's a 1.5. Whatever. They're getting a significant receiver back. Calvin uh, Ridley, Zay Jones, Christian Kirk. Um, you know why they haven't had to go crazy in free agency, though, is they filled many needs last year in free agency. Even if they overpaid uh, a touch for the Brandon Sheriffs and Christian Kirks and Foyaya Luukuns of the world, they filled a lot of needs last year. So they haven't had to go crazy in free agency. Um, only other thing... With the Jags, I think just more depth on defense, a little bit more on the defensive line, maybe some Josh Allen insurance. As he, I think they're going to try to lock him up long-term, the edge defender, Josh Allen. But um, a little bit more work to do, I think, on the defense and then more shiny objects for Trevor Lawrence. Mm-hmm. And that's it. So you don't not like anything from Jacksonville. Struggling to find anything that I hate. Perfect. All right, Tennessee Titans. Mm. What do you like? What do I like? Arden Key was a very good signing for them. Arden Key has developed into really quite a good situational pass rusher after, I don't want to call him a bust because he was quite a, he was what, third round pick? Um, I think it's probably quite difficult to bust from being a third round pick, just expectations are pretty low. Uh, But it's true to say that as a guy that came into the league like 6'5", 240, something like that, that classic really long but narrow, thin, lightweight edge rusher. Those guys have a pretty bad bad track record of translating, and he just had no juice early in his career from a pass rushing standpoint. Didn't have a pass rushing grade above 64 in his first three seasons, but he tacked on weight consistently over that time. I think I have no idea what his playing weight is now, but he looks noticeably bigger, thicker than he did earlier in his career. And the last two seasons, his pass rushing grade has been above 73. He's become like a pretty impact playmaker given the snaps that he plays. Jacksonville, I would have – there you go. There's my move I didn't like for Jacksonville. They let Arden Key walk out the door, and then from Tennessee's point of view, they get a guy who's a a, a really good pass rusher, and they make Jacksonville worse by doing it. It's interesting as I'm thinking about this. Letting uh, uh, the 49ers are losing all of their – rotational defensive linemen and you know Charles and Menahues of the world and everything and they keep signing these big deals and in part because they're losing their personnel it's like when you start losing personnel you also lose players but maybe you get all these comp picks back and all that stuff that's why the Niners are loaded up on comp picks anyway I think overall what I like about the Titans is that they they're half blowing it up that you know we talked about that in the fixing the Titans they just might just be in a transition not only from a front office standpoint but just from a roster standpoint, having to move on, you know, releasing Bud Dupree and uh, releasing Taylor Luan and just kind of restarting, I think, in a lot of positions, was the right move. Now the question is, okay, who are they replacing these guys with? Andre Dillard is probably the one I don't love. Taking a shot on the former first-round left tackle, three years, $29 million, has not played a ton of football, has not played a ton of football at a high level. It's a huge projection for a guy who should probably be on a prove-it deal. Prove that you're a first-round talent instead of locking you up for three years. I don't love that. No, I don't like that move. I, 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 we said during the um, 
during the move, the shows the last couple of days, somebody in Tennessee must have loved Andre Dillard as a draft prospect. You know, the first first round pick, the twenty second overall selection, uh, prototypical size, a guy that was expected to be an elite pass blocking tackle coming out of Washington State, um, because you just can't get there. You can't get to that figure, the dollar figure, based off his NFL <coughs> tape. There's there's just no evidence to say that. Like. There's also a lot of sort of data points, whether they're um, tangential or not, that say like, this guy must have been very bad in order to not have that starting job. When you when you take a tackle in the first round of the draft to be the succession to Jason Peters at left tackle, and you end up giving that job instead to a seventh round rugby player, who ends up being a very good player. But the point being what you have invested in the first guy versus what you have invested in the second guy and which way you are going to be slanted to ensuring the outcome of whatever battle ensures ensues there mu- meant the disparity in play must have been huge between the dude that had barely picked up the game and the guy that was supposed to be the, ga- the, the succession plan. For him to not end up with that job, I think, is pretty amazing. So I just, that's a big gamble, I think. A guy that didn't work out in Philadelphia with arguably the best offensive line coach in the NFL trying to bring him along to think that you can bring that guy over and he'll be your he'll be a capable starting left tackle which is probably what they need him to be feels risky yeah man I'm I'm on I'm on board with you I didn't love the Dillard deal and um it doesn't feel great in Tennessee because it's like a half rebuild and it's half Rand Carthon getting some of his new guys in there so still more work to do in Tennessee and it's not a ton of money for Dillard but it's more than it feels like it should be I've, like, I said on the other show, it, just, it reminds me of Joe Noteboom, who yeah. just got paid basically off a of half a season of actual success. That just probably didn't need to happen. He's you getting, didn't have to make that evaluation and make that investment until you saw more. So I would lean toward, let me see more, and then we can talk. Yeah, he's getting paid like basically one of the, lo- the worst starting offensive tackles in the NFL, which might be where he ends up being, but that still feels like you could do better with that money. Yeah. If, if anything, it adds maybe they don't have to force a tackle pick at 11. Right, which is the goal in a lot of these yeah, things. Yeah, I get it. All right, let's go AFC West. Denver Broncos, what do we like about what the Broncos have done? Um, do you hmm. like the, the heavy offensive line investment? Ben Powers at guard, Mike McGlinchey at tackle. Do you yeah. like that as a starting point? I don't know what to make of that. I think theoretically it's fine. Like Denver's moves overall, it's a case of – the sort of which two ways you look at this right there's the did we get better you know the the like Kevin Cole's improvement index right it's just how much talent did we add the end and Denver looked well I presume I haven't looked at it but looked really good because they added a bunch of players that should be upgrades to what was there before then the question becomes how much did it cost you to do that so Ben Powers four years 52 million dollars Mike McGlinchey five years 87.5 million dollars um, Zach Allen on the defensive line, three years, $45.7 million. Like these are significant chunks of money to guys that should be upgrades, but I, none of them are going to be huge upgrades. So I guess they're fine, but I don't love them. I think in isolation, I like the Ben Powers deal, um, a guard who continues to get better. So I think that's fine. Uh, it's a lot of money for Mike McGlinchey at right tackle. I'm yep. a McGlinchey fan, despite him being uh, thrown horizontally by Micah Parsons. Yeah, um, I like the person that responded with uh, Larry Allen, one of the you know Hall of Famer and one of the strongest players in NFL history, also getting tossed 
sideways by Reggie time. White. By Reggie White, of yeah. course, but I mean Micah Parsons is Lawrence Taylor, so comparable, <laughs> right? It's okay to get tossed by Micah Parsons. It's okay. Yeah, I mean, yes, though. Sure, my the obvious counter to that would be all right, but how often did it happen to each individual? Also, Larry Allen was a guard and was playing tackle when that happened to him. Yeah, I understand. Like, I understand. Yeah. Anyway, McGlinchey is a good play. I, I think they upgraded the offensive line. To your point, is that enough? That's we always view that. Here's this foundational piece, just so you don't suck. Right. right? That's make the offensive line good enough so that you can run an offense. So I think Denver's at least getting closer to. They're they're going to tick that box. We can at least run an offense that uh, you know we're not going to get sacked eight times a game or anything like that. So that's a good starting point. More work to do on the perimeter. We'll see what happens with Cortland Sutton and all that stuff. But I, I, I'm fine with the offensive line being the the starting point here. Yeah, again, fine with it. Don't love any of it. Um, I like Samaji Pirine as a signing, just a, a running back, a guy that, that has been the th- third down back in Cincinnati. Good in the pass game, um, can block. Like They don't know quite what how long Javante Williams is going to be on the shelf. So bringing in a guy like that, I think, is, is a decent move. Yeah, we know Sean Payton likes to rotate running backs two and three at a time, and P. Ryan will will get his touches for sure. Uh, what do you not like about the Broncos so far? Um, I mean, I don't hate any of their moves. My my only sort of dislike would be the price tag for some of these things. Like it feels like they've not even necessarily overpaid, but just overpaid relative to the upgrades that they're getting. Like I just don't love the value of the total the, the total package of what they've done this offseason. Yeah, Zach Allen at $15 million. I mean, I'm just going to criticize every defensive tackle move. Zach Allen was one of those um, – I've run some numbers a little bit on the one-year wonder stuff where I think there's there's some data that says you can lean into it, right? It's okay to lean into the one-year wonder. That's what Zach Allen is, that maybe that is what he becomes. Three years below average, one year of very good play from him. But – there's always some inherent risk there. Three years, $45 million. I mean, look, the bottom line is you're paying $15 million a year for a guy that couldn't outrun Kirk Cousins in the open field. That's a red flag. That's all I'm saying. All right. So there's the Broncos. What do you think about the Kansas City Chiefs? What do you like? What do you don't like? Uh, I like signing Charles Amenahu and the corresponding move of releasing Frank Clark. I think that's an upgrade and they get cheaper, right? Like two years maximum of $20 million for Amenahu. That, like, that's, a, that's a great move. Yeah, I agree with that. Amenahu, good player, uh, multi-gap versatility to go with uh, Chris Jones and George Karloftis, Treshawn Wharton. They've got a, a decent group there. And then, so I'm just in agreement on what I do like. I do think you're not going to miss Frank Clark's random uh, playoff sack production. We might miss it, but – it was very random and didn't happen in the regular season, so it's probably still an upgrade, you know, a net upgrade. What do you not like about the Chiefs? I don't like the plan to make Juwan Taylor play left tackle. I hate when we agree on everything, but the Chiefs have only made a handful of moves, so it's yeah, easy. It's not to an agree. awful lot of options yeah. here. Um, I mean, you can argue, you know, letting both offensive tackles walk, whatever, but like bringing in <laughs> Juwan Taylor, fine. Four years, eighty million dollars. That's rich, but okay. The biggest question I have there is taking a career right tackle at all levels and saying you're going to play the left side. How how bad could that go? I mean, it might work, but that feels like a risk that you don't need to take. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see where their investment goes. At some, uh, Jawan Taylor's got so going into 23, he's got four years. Tooney, Joe Tooney, the highest paid guard at the time, was three years. Creed Humphrey's going to be up. He's got two years left. You know, he's a 
four, he's got a four-year contract as a second-round rookie. Going to have to pay Creed Humphrey probably top center money really, really soon. It's going to be interesting, as always, where the Chiefs spend their money during the Mahomes years. And it looks like they're continuing along the offensive line. They had, you know, had a cheap year of Orlando Brown, a franchise tag year of Orlando Brown, and it's interesting to me that they're moving on and flipping Taylor to the left side I do think is the riskiest one. It can, it could work out. It, there's, there's risk there. I don't know that Jawan Taylor is a better player than Orlando Brown. They've had Orlando Brown in the building. Maybe he's not a fit, whatever it is. But I don't think Juwan Taylor is a better player than Orlando Brown. And, and now, certainly not by flipping him to the left side. There's more risk that you're incurring there. And now we have the contract details. We know it's more expensive than it would co- would have cost to keep Orlando Brown. Like Orlando, We were speculating that Orlando Brown would have signed the contract they gave to Juwan Taylor in a heartbeat. Now we know that's true based off the contract that he has signed. They decided to spend more money to do this. Yeah. Fair enough with Kansas City. Two more teams to discuss. Las Vegas Raiders. What do you like about what the Raiders have done so far, Sam? Uh, what do I like about Jacoby Myers is coming in. Jimmy Garoppolo coming in. Franchise tag Josh Jacobs. I'm not saying you're going to choose any of those. I think, I mean, for me, it's probably just tagging Jacobs. For the year yeah i was gonna go with that i'll go with myers i like three years 33 million dollars for jacoby myers he's he's a good player that i think has been unfairly uh denigrated because he's been the sort of symbol of everything that's wrong in new england's passing game you know jacoby myers is your number one receiver therefore your your receiving core and your offense stinks why are you not finding that number one but myers is a good receiver like he kind of came out of nowhere to be that guy who became their number one receiver because he was the only guy that could get open on a consistent basis. So I say Jacoby Myers coming in to be a much lower part of a group is a really good thing for them. Yeah, and look, none of us love the Jimmy Garoppolo deal. I would say it sounds like the Raiders were in on trading up to number one. They were in on Aaron Rodgers. They at least asked about him, right? Mm -hmm. So this is their third option, their fourth option to go, hey, Jimmy G. Josh McDaniels here drafted you back in 2014. You know, let's let's uh, let's get back together. If you're going to have Jimmy Garoppolo, it's, uh, here's what I'd say: I'd like they have Jimmy Garoppolo on the mid-tier quarterback deal. They have the middle-class quarterback deal that we always ask for for a middle-class quarterback. I think he's QB 15, right? QB 13 some years, QB 19 some years. He's, he's right in the middle. Jimmy Garoppolo. You have him for a decent price tag. I kind of like that. I like the fact that they. They're not paying him 30 just because he's a starting quarterback. So that's good, I would say, for the Raiders. Now you got to build the juggernaut around him. And Jacoby Myers isn't juggernaut receiver, but to your point, yeah. as a two, to Devontae Adams as a one, excellent. Now my the thing I don't like is when I spent five minutes saying never trade Darren Waller. Now I understand there's some other circumstances for why you had to trade down Darren Waller. Mainly maybe he doesn't get along with Josh McDaniels. That's a McDaniels problem. Right? Yes. I don't have that problem sitting here at the seat. All I'm saying is if you want to compete in the AFC, and particularly the AFC West, you need a juggernaut of playmakers. So got to figure out a way to uh, to replace what Darren Waller could have been, which is what I wanted to, you know, take that chance. What could he be? Can he get back to where he was? I understand getting out and the injuries and all that stuff. Yeah, I don't like trading him away either. I understand why you do it. It's the sort of move that in a vacuum is probably the right call. But you're not in a vacuum. You're in a division with Kansas City. You're behind the eight ball because your quarterback is Jimmy Garoppolo and their quarterback is Patrick Mahomes. So your only hope of offsetting that 
is to try and be better in other areas. And a guy like Waller would help you do that. The other move, like, I don't hate the Jimmy Garoppolo move. And you're right, it's the the middle class contract that we're always looking for. It's just when you see it posted as a sort of synopsis of Raiders inquired about Aaron Rodgers, the number one overall pick, and then signed Jimmy Garoppolo. It's like, that's just a kind of sad consolation prize, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, that's what would that would suck about being <laughs> a general manager. Like, it's really easy when we fix every team in five minutes over here, but at some point you're actually in negotiations, and it's not as simple as I'm going to make this move, this move, and this move. You actually have to win the move. You have to win the negotiation. You have to earn, you know, the player's trust and the agent's trust and actually execute it. And if you don't execute it, you go back to Jimmy Garoppolo and say, hey, take this middle-class quarterback deal. It's the, the – yeah the next best best option there so all right let's wrap it up los angeles chargers do we forget anybody do we hit the titans today we did mm-hmm. los angeles chargers i know what i like of their few moves yeah so i'm gonna leave you that one but i agree it's that one um i like bringing back trey pipkins uh three years 22 million dollars ish they didn't need to do it. I think they can just flip Jamari Sawyer to the right side and say, all right, you earned a shot to start now based off the work you did filling in for a Sean Slater in year one at left tackle. Go play on the right side. Maybe they do that anyway. But Trey Pipkin's coming back, I think. He played solid enough at that spot last year. Now they're kind of future-proofing that. And one of those guys is going to end up going into left guard where they release Matt Filer. So making sure that that offensive line, another team with – we have our quarterback. We think this guy's amazing. Let's make sure the line around him is good enough. Yeah, they still at least they have some depth there on the def, uh, on the offensive line. Uh, Filer was the the move that we were raving about two years ago. Just we, we should go back in hindsight and look at these a little bit. We were absolutely right for one year. Filer was was very very good last year. Certainly dropped off. Didn't get as much. Uh, pure production out of him but you know and he did so he was to your investment he was catastrophic for like the first half of last year and then turned it around down the second half outside of a, a bad game or two one of which came against chris jones so you know to be expected but he wasn't as bad as it looked his overall grade i think paints a very bad picture last year but you can definitely find games where he was exactly the player that he was the year before so the move i liked was eric kendrick's Two years, $13.25 million, pretty cheap for a guy that just two years ago was was really, really good. Um, if you followed our show for eight to ten years, that was my uh, – <laughs> I, the uh, the free agent class of like 2017 or something, I must have said a hundred times in a row, I'm like, if you go back to 2015 and you had this guy, it'd be great. And look, I, I maybe get burnt by some of that. If you just go back two years, if you just go back two years, there's a reason why the NFL – cuts ties with players it's a it's a young players league overall but I think linebacker is one of those positions where you can you can steal good years you know as guys creep up into their 30s or or are in their lower uh, early 30s Kendricks looks like an upgrade from what the Chargers have had at linebacker over the last couple years excellent coverage player range and coverage uh, range and zone and reading route concepts and that's what you have with Kendricks with Derwin James, with what J.C. Jackson could be. I mean, there's a lot of could be on this Chargers defense. And I just think the the potential's through the roof, and Kendricks just just raises the roof a little bit as far as the ceiling goes. Yeah, I, I like what he could potentially help Eric uh, uh, Kenneth Murray with as well as a young, struggling linebacker. Morgan Fox also was a sneaky good move for them. 
career-high 40 pressures last season, career-high pass rush grade, career-high overall grade, career-high in snaps as well, I think. Like, that, he's a defensive lineman that was good for them in an area of weakness where I think every, you just assume all interior linemen for the Chargers stank last year because their interior stank. But he played pretty well, and bringing him back, I think, is a, a sneaky good move. So I kind of like almost everything the Chargers have done. Nothing to hate yeah. with the Chargers because it's only a few moves. What else... The only thing I'd say that needs to be done, adding speed at right. receiver. You know, if they had gotten Deontay Hardy, what if they sure. had Deontay Which, Hardy to but, go with Mike Williams, Josh Palmer, Keenan But that's Allen. one where there is a lot of speed in this draft, you know, in certain areas. Maybe not well-rounded speed. You know, you're not going to get that one superstar unless you get Quentin Johnston somehow. But um, there is speed to be added in the draft without having to go nuts, you know. Just got word in my ear. Sam has a heart out right now. You got to go to your K. Adams show. Yeah. You got to go uh, drink with K. So, anyway, that's the AFC. We touched on every team, including the Titans. Tomorrow, it'll be the NFC. Maybe live, maybe live to tape. Thanks to everybody for tuning in. We'll see you tomorrow as we go through every NFC free agent team.